Hi guys, I'm Marie. And I'm Maddie. Maddie's literally trying to open up a yogurt with her teeth right now. Okay, it's like bending the yogurt container as I'm peeling it That's off. not my point. My point is that we're about to start recording and you're opening a yogurt and she's got a bag of granola sitting next to her, which I'm assuming she's going to try to pour into her yogurt. Okay, at some point, okay? we I just have it in here so I don't have to leave. <laughs> anyway, hi guys. We are back. I know we didn't release an episode yesterday. We did warn you that our summer might be a little sporadic just because we have a lot of backpacking and this, hiking trips planned. Yeah, this one, um, honestly, this one, this one's my fault. I'll take blame for this one because we did a crazy hike. Yeah. And I got violently ill from it. I got she, like I think she got elevation sickness, is what happened. And we're actually going to be recording an entire segment just on that hike, like a little mini episode for you guys, because it was insane. Lots of crazy things happened on that trip. Yeah, it was it was awesome, but yeah, I got violently ill from it, so uh, we were not able to record. <laughs> Maddie, earlier this Maddie week. was out of commission for quite a few days. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's get into this episode. So today we are talking about Charles McCuller. In 1975, 19-year-old Charles or Chuck McCuller would vanish while hiking in Crater Lake National Park. And this is in Klamath County in Oregon. Charles was born on July 20 of 1955 at Walter Reed Army Hospital in Washington, D.C. He was a photographer and known for his love of the outdoors. So nature photography is what he specialized in. And on January 8 of 1975, Charles left his home in Virginia to go on a cross-country trip. He wanted to visit all the national parks in the United States. He would be taking buses and hitchhiking. And he did keep in contact with his parents. They heard from him on January 16th and January 22nd while he was in Utah. And the last call that they would get from him was on January 27th. And Charles was at a friend's house in Oregon. While staying with his friend, he started making plans to do some winter photography. Which is really, I really like winter photography actually. Cold. Yes, it's cold. Maddie doesn't like the cold. I don't like the cold either, but I like what I see in nature when it's cold. I have trouble seeing, sometimes I have trouble seeing the beauty in things when I am... uh, Uncomfortable? Uncomfortable, yes. Yeah, we went snowshoeing one time and I will never take her snowshoeing again. (laughs) Okay, I suck at snowshoeing. So his plan was to visit Crater Lake National Park and he would take the bus and then hitchhike to the lake. Right, because the bus didn't go all the way to where he needed to go. Usually they don't, yeah. Now, Crater Lake National Park was established in 1902. The park is 183,224 acres. I can't even comprehend how big that is. I know. Crater Lake partially fills a more than 2,000-foot deep cauldra that was formed more than 7,000 years ago when the volcano Mount Mazuma erupted. It is the largest lake in the United States and is about 1,949 feet. It has two islands and one of the islands is 316 acres. Like if you can even wrap your brain around that. (laughs) I'm sorry. It's huge. The islands on in this lake are huge. This lake is what the it's the biggest lake in the United States. The lake also has a full-size tree named the Old Man of the Lake that has been bobbing vertically in the lake for over a century. The big island is called Wizard Island. That's phenomenal. (laughs) At the time that Charles planned to be at the lake, there would be a ton of snow with drifts up to 20 feet in some areas. Oh my god, the old man of the lake is in Crater Lake. I literally just said that. It bobs vertically. It's been there for a couple seconds. Sorry, I wasn't, I was, I was busy. Because I've heard about, oh. I'm sorry, I was on my phone. <laughs> I was looking at a picture of Crater Lake and then I saw a picture of the the old, old man. man of the lake. Yeah. And I've heard about this before. Yeah. It's in Crater Lake. It's, no one knows, no one knows why he does that. No one knows why bobs it vertically. bobs vertically up. 
They've looked at the log. They don't know why it does that. They don't know why it's still doing it. Yeah. It's weird because it's a huge stump that just... It's not even a stump. It's a fucking tree. It's I know. It's like an entire yeah, tree. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah. Thank, thank you, Madison, for that. I'm sorry. I Okay. <laughs> I have this great ability to just tune things out. And I was... I got excited because... When I started talking about Crater Lake, she got really excited and started looking at pictures and got distracted. Anyway... Now, according to an article in The Strange Outdoors, the indigenous of the area believed the Crater Lake was sacred, and they believed it to be the crossroads between the spirit of above, called Skell, and the spirit below, called Lael. Also, if I pronounced any of the names wrong, just yell at her. Don't yell at me. I'm sorry. (laughs) Start yelling. The two fought gory battles here, one where Lael ripped Skell's heart from his chest, and Skell dismembered Leo and threw his body parts into the lake. A monster ate all but his head, and his spirit is still trapped in the lake. The legend goes that when stirred in anger, his spirit appears in the form of a giant crayfish that climbs out of the lake and snatches people from the shore, dragging them into the lake and drowning them. So this Good. is yeah, this is definitely a lake that the indigenous people believe is good to stay away from. And you might feel the same after we're done telling the story. But I thought that was kind of intriguing. No, that's intriguing. That that is intriguing for sure. I feel like when the indigenous people tell you to stay away from somewhere, you should Just probably stay away. Stay away. I totally yeah, agree. Yep, yeah. On January 29th, Charles packed up his camping and his photography gear. He took the Greyhound bus. Oh, nothing good starts out with the Greyhound bus. I know. I can't. We haven't had a story where the Greyhound bus ends Is involved. Yeah. He took the bus to Crater Lake National Park. And the park would be covered in snow. So it would be very cold. But Charles was confident in his skills and felt prepared for this trip. I'm not sure about that personally. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I would love to know what preparation. We're going to talk about that. So, he told his friends that he would be back in a couple of days and headed off with his camera in hand. He planned to hike there along the North Road, which recently had about five feet of snow dumped on it. Yeah, and Charles told his friends that he planned to be back on the 31st, but if he wasn't back by February 1, to call for help. When he did not return by February 1, they reported him missing. And there are some variations of this date because there are some people that say he left a lot earlier, leaving like a month time, but that doesn't make sense to me. Um, And these dates came from the dates that his friends who he was staying with reported. So I think initially what happened was the day that he left for his trip. Mm, I could see that. Yeah, getting like confused I think it it got confused. Yeah. Because this case does have a lot of crazy things that come up in it, there are a few things that get misreported, and it's done over and over and over again. So I did try to find the most accurate information. But something still may be wrong. So when Charles went missing, he was reported as 6'3 and approximately 150 pounds with blue eyes and shoulder-length curly hair. Last seen wearing faded blue jeans a blue button-down jacket with a hood, orange hiking boots with snow shields, a white turtleneck sweater with a red-brown circular design, and possibly a green and white striped ski cap. Right, so on the turtleneck, it's reported in some places that it was like red, in some places that it was brown. So it might have been like a weird brownish-red color. The, I don't know. It, it, where is this description coming from? Is this His friends when he left. Believed to be in his possession was an orange Everest 288 frame backpack. So he had a sleeping bag tied to his bag that had a red cover on it. And the sleeping bag itself was dark blue and rated for negative 25 degrees. He had a red and blue print bandana, a white tank top with blue and red trim, and a picture of Mickey Mouse on it. So he had a Mickey Mouse tank top. A large sheet of black plastic, 
a Boy Scout mess kit. So that's like the, we have one of those. It's like a plastic plate and a bowl and a knife and a spoon kind of thing. It's all plastic. It comes in like a little mesh thing nowadays. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. I know. It's orange about. in our closet. Yeah. Yeah. He had a folding hunting knife with a brass frame and a wooden handle with buck on the handle. A length of cord. He had several rolls of 35 millimeter film in black cases. A ring of keys with a Volkswagen key on it. So he had his keys with him even though he wasn't driving his car. Which I do find that one a little strange. Yeah. He had a Nicromat camera. He had a Vivitar lens with a brown camera strap. He had a five-quart green nylon-covered army surplus. Tropics water bladder. One set of camping silverware fastened together. So like on a ring kind of thing. Gray heavy wool hiking socks. Black socks with individual toes that were each different colors. Those are actually comfortable, I've heard, for hiking. I've never tried them, though, because things around my toes freak me out. But I've heard they're, like, the best socks for avoiding blisters. They make, like, a liner that has the individual toes. I... Hmm. Yeah, I have mixed feelings about it, too. He had a couple pairs of Levi jeans, and we'll get back to that in a second, but I do find the jean thing very strange. A gray Budweiser t-shirt a brown pullover sweatshirt, long sleeve thermal shirt, fruit of the loom underwear, wool underwear bottoms, box of color slides of the desert, a driver's license, and a military ID card. I know people that sound like this guy, guys, and they would 100% wear jeans. Yeah, I just feel like wearing jeans out in winter in the snow where they're going to get wet and not dry out seems very strange to me. Because you can't avoid getting them wet. He doesn't have, like, rain pants or rain yeah. gear. He should definitely have snow pants yeah. for sure. But I'm not surprised that this young man is bringing... Well, especially back in the 70s, yeah. yeah. He also had uncashed traveler's checks from Bank of America numbered 098 and 099. He had some food and a minimum of three boxes of matches. I'm guessing the some food is because he was planning on being out there just for a few days. Yeah. So he didn't have a ton of food on him. Now, his parents would actually not be notified of his disappearance until the 10th of February, which I'm assuming is when the police notify them. And it could be that his friends didn't have their contact information. Because remember, we don't have social media where you can just go up and look anybody up. Yeah. But it does take... 10 days for his parents to be notified. Yikes. I know. So the police found a witness who claimed that they had seen a hiker in the Diamond Lake area on the 29th. And this is about 45 minutes from Crater Lake. So maybe something changed his plans. Or maybe it wasn't him. Maybe he was at Crater Lake and someone was like, hey, this Diamond Lake is really, really pretty. Well... And, like, sent him in that direction or something like that? I I honestly have no idea. But either way, they couldn't positively identify Charles. They just said it was a male hiker who kind of matched the description. They didn't get a really good look at him. But there's probably not a lot of backpackers walking the roads and the trails around this area. So I don't know. Yeah. Another witness claimed to see a hiker along the north road, which that had been his plan. Right. But there was no sign of him or his campsite found in that area. In either area, really. Yeah, anywhere. Um, A park logger said that they had given Chuck a ride to the entrance of Crater Lake on the 30th. Right, and to me that sounds a little more credible than the eyewitnesses because this person actually talked to him. Mm-hmm. And could positively ID him as Chuck. Does Chuck just look like any other curly-haired no. man? I mean, he might look like any curly-haired hippie in this time frame, but he does have, like, shoulder-length curly hair, which is kind of distinctive. Oh, my God. Did they do a 411 episode on him? Uh, he's in one of the books. We're going to talk about that. Okay. Yeah, I think he he definitely looks like he belongs in the 70s, that's for sure. Oh, for sure, Yeah. Now, a massive search was started and immediately ran into problems. Snow was 12 feet deep in some areas, 
and there were reports of strange storms and high winds the week that Chuck went missing, making it even more challenging to get searchers on the ground. The northern section of the park was searched by ground and air, but no sign of Charles was found anywhere. And authorities started to believe that maybe he had left the park, changed his plans, and not told anyone. Of course. Which I find this a little hard to believe just because he did have like an out time. He had like a, this is my plan. He said, if I'm not back by this day, I don't think he would change his plans without telling anyone if he's going to say, call the police on the first. Yeah, I never... I never really understand why the police jump so quickly to... Well, it's that whole, if you can't find them, they must not be here, right? It's the whole, we searched, and if he was here, we would have found him. Which is not the case. I know. but Which is never the case. Just because he's an adult and he can make his own decisions does not mean that he changed his plans and didn't tell anybody. And maybe that happens in a percentage of cases like this, but I would say for the majority, if they have... An itinerary, a plan, and an outdate, that's probably not the case. Yeah, I would love to know when they've had people, rep- how many people get reported missing who actually just like. Well, in normal day to day, probably a lot, but hikers, probably less. Yeah. Yeah. But that's I, that's what I want to know. I want to know the amount of hikers who have changed their plans, been reported missing, and then been found later. Just been like, oh, else. yeah. Yeah, you were reported missing, and they're like. Yeah, I totally would. I would be very interested in that as well because that is the conclusion that a lot of them jump to. A lot of them. Yeah. So it's got to happen, but I don't know. I mean, maybe. Maybe it happens or maybe they're just like... Maybe it's like what they need to think in order to give up the search. His father does fly out and join in the search. And he actually camped out on the shore of the lake so that he could continue searching for his son. But his family had started to believe that Charles was the victim of foul play. Which, um, so far, in my opinion, does not look like foul play. Not yet, no. No, it seems like missing. Missing, yeah. Just missing, snowy, lost in the woods. He was wearing jeans, which it is the 70s, so you, can be, you can't be as prepared any, like as you can nowadays for the snow. Yeah, I would never hike in snow like this without my protective rain gear ever. Without your massive amount of zero degree shit. Hey, I get cold and I don't want to die or get fingers and toes amputated because I get frostbite. So my mom's going to go hiking by herself and she's going to lose fingers. And then we're not going to be able to do the podcast (laughs) because she's going to have like four fingers and isn't going to be able to do anything. I can still do it with four fingers. I'm just going to have to move to, like, a vocal research uh, something where instead of typing, I I speak the notes or whatever, and it it dictates them for me. I don't know. It'll be fine. Now, his family actually mailed circulars with photographs to approximately 86 people who were registered at Diamond Lake Lodge, which is a resort located on the route from Roseburg to Crater Lake, which yielded zero leads. So this is a resort that's on the way to where he was going, basically, and was completely full at the time. Dang. Like, lots of people staying there. His father actually wrote to the U.S. Senate in an attempt to solicit their help to get the FBI involved. And this is what he wrote. And also, this is after the search has basically ended for Charles. Sad. I know. He said, I would like to enlist your services in helping me to obtain federal assistance in my continuing search to ascertain what happened to Charles McCuller, who has been missing in Oregon since the 30th of January, 1975. The Federal Bureau of Investigation on two occasions has indicated that it has no authority to enter cases of missing persons. You can imagine my surprise while in Oregon searching for clues, I picked up a newspaper and read that the FBI, as well as other federal agencies, were engaged for a search for a missing person, James Hoffa. My first reaction to this situation was a feeling of indignation. However, after returning home to Virginia and giving much thought to the situation, the indignation turned to determination when I decided that the McCuller family 
would pursue all avenues available to receive the same magnitude of federal assistance as was afforded the Hoffa family. After returning home and reviewing the information contained in the police reports that we possess, plus maps of the area searched and the intensity of these searches without finding any sign of equipment, we concluded that Charles was not a victim of foul weather, but rather a victim of foul play. So he's basically saying, we want the FBI involved because we believe there's foul play in this, in this case, in this situation. And according to police reports, there's no indication of that. Now, their response was, the FBI has no authority to investigate missing persons unless there is evidence to indicate a kidnapping has taken place. In those instances, we would promptly enter the case under presumptive provisions or in cases such as James Hoffa matter, we have entered the investigation because there is an indication that the federal statutes other than kidnapping such as extortion may have been violated. Since there is no indication that a federal statute within this Bureau's jurisdiction has been violated, I regret to inform you of no further assistance in this matter. So they're already doing more than most families would do. You know, they're trying to get all of the help that they can get. And they're basically just saying, we have no reason to pursue further action in this case because we have no jurisdiction. We don't believe there's no. foul play. We don't believe anything like that has occurred Which here. Which at this point, it doesn't look like there's been anything else. I know. I know. It's so... He's just missing his but stuff. But for his family, found. I think they don't care why he's missing. They just want the help to find him. Oh, yeah, of course. So on October 13th, 1976, almost a year after Charles went missing... Two hikers from Texas were hiking the PCT and took a wrong turn. Oh, taking a wrong turn while hiking the PCT. Uh, brutal. Brutal. Took a wrong turn, ended up in a remote canyon near Bybee Creek where they found a backpack in disrepair. And this was about 12 miles from Crater Lake. Oh, no, he took a wrong turn. Oh, God. Okay. And this area would have been covered in deep snow when Charles went missing. So walking to this location would have been very difficult. Yeah. So they took the bag to the ranger station. Which, good for them for doing that, because I think a lot of people, especially if you're already, like, off trail, you're already, like, you know, you have, like, a schedule or a plan or whatever, yeah. and now you found this backpack. Like, good for them taking it to the ranger station. Oh, yeah. And they also tied something to a tree near where they found it so that rangers could find their way back there. Respect. That's kind of why I want I need one of those um you know the 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 tie the, the plastic things. The, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, when I used to hike with Sarah all the time she always carried them because she thought it was really important to like mark the trail if it went off at all well that cuz I feel like there's been multiple times where I'm like Jesus Christ having some of, some of that in my backpack would we should definitely have some of do, that in our backpack I want yeah. purple ones okay we'll find you some purple ones Usually purple. pink, yellow, and green are the and orange are the colors I see, but I'm sure there's purple. That's what I mean. I want purple okay. ones. We'll find you some I want purple. purple or blue ones. I want blue. Let's do blue. We can okay. do blue. Go. My mom hates purple. So they took the bag to the ranger station, and in the pocket, they found a set of keys that belonged to a Volkswagen. Which we know is the same brand of car that Charles owned. Yep. So Ranger Larry Smith and Marion Jack compared the key to a photocopy of Charles's keys, and... It appeared to match. Yeah. So rangers went out hiking on horseback. Mm-hmm. I like it. To search the area where the hikers had found this backpack, which luckily they tagged it, so perfect. And it would not take long before they found something. And this is where the disappearance of Charles McCuller starts to get a little bizarre. Right. Now... They find a pair of jeans, and they are sitting on a log, like kind of laying over a log. Oh, no. Like he tried to lay his pants out to dry? No. What? No. And they seem to be in pretty good condition. There were socks that poked out from the leg of the jeans, and inside the socks were toe bones. And inside the jeans were a few broke shards of shin bones with blood on them. 
They found nothing else in the immediate area. So he shattered his shin. Maybe. And then just lay down on a log. Maybe. To try to stay, to try not to lay in the snow, he laid on a log. Or sat on a log, yeah. Well, and we don't know, even to this day, they don't know if the break happened before or after he died. And there is blood, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the blood came from the break. Yeah, because you can secrete liquids after you die. So we're not really sure, and that has to this day never been determined. The belt on the jeans was undone, and so was the button, indicating that maybe he had been in the process of taking them off. One of the rangers described the scene, saying it looked like he had literally melted into his pants. I don't like that. I don't like any of this. Now, I will tell you, there are articles out there who dispute the way that his remains are found. So there was an article in Vanished U.S. that actually said there was no record of his remains being found in any kind of condition. But this information that I collected on how his remains were found came from the Missing 411 book by David Pilates. And it was with an interview with the ranger that found him is where David got this information from. So there might not be a record of how his remains were found because we'll talk about this later, but all records have been lost from this case. Lost. They are gone. So the only the only information we have about the condition of how he was found, the searches, all of that is from people who were involved in it. Gotcha. But the vanished U.S., that, that write-up of this case, they actually said that they, it was likely that that was made up about how his pants were found. Which I don't know why anybody would make that up, but... It's a pretty fucked up thing to make up. Yeah, but the information about how he was found came from the ranger that found him in an interview with David. I trust David. I trust the 411. I trust 411 too, a little bit. I I think that that's a... He seems to be a legitimate, consistent source of information on missing people. There was no shirt. There was no coat. No boots. But about 12 feet from the jeans, the crown of a skull was found. And after an intensive search, no other evidence of Charles was ever found. So they found his leg, shattered shin, his foot, his shattered... No, his toe bones. Just his toe bones. Yep. Not his foot? Nope. There were toe bones. bones. Nope. There were just toe bones in there. In the sock. Yeah. But... No foot bone in the sock. No. And then his shin bone that was broken. So an animal or a person just took his foot but left his toes? Well, if you think about it, depending... In the sock and then put the sock back into the bottom of the jeans? I'm not sure. But if you think about it, a lot of his bones... So say... And we'll t- we're going to talk about this later. But how is there shattered shin bones but no foot bone? Okay, so think about the stages of decomposition and how if an animal was pulling items out in whatever way, from the top of the jeans, from the bottom of the jeans, like, yes, the sock was underneath the jeans, but that doesn't mean that something couldn't have gotten into it from inside the jeans, right? There's all different kinds of animals that we'll feed off of and eat. Yeah. Right? So say say one of his, some of his leg bones were pulled out and... The foot came with it, but the toe bones didn't. I, I'm i just confused how there's shattered shin. Yeah, I know. We'll talk about all of that later. You're getting a little head. Okay, relax. You always tell me I'm getting ahead. I know. She I'm needs just, to relax. There's no foot. There's she toes to and shins, but no I foot. Know. Yet the sock is inside of the pants. Also, where the fuck are his shoes? Maybe a bear really needed some shoes. <laughs> okay. Madison, Jesus. Notably, his wallet and camera are also missing. So his bag was found, but his wallet and his camera were not with his bag and were not with his jeans. That's suspicious. But his coat and his boots and all of that are still missing. So could his camera 
and his wallet be with that stuff. Yeah, like he like undressed and was just, like he was going through hypothermia. He was undressing. Paradoxical undressing. And then he fell, shattered his shin. So police attributed his missing clothing to paradoxical undressing, was, okay. which is exactly what yeah. we were just talking about. We've talked about it a lot. People in the final stages of hypothermia, they think that they're overheating and they start to take off their clothing. Where are his clothes is probably a better question. And where's the rest of his body? His brother actually said, if those broken off shin bones could have talked to us, what do you think they'd say? I bet they'd say something like, I hitched a ride with this creepy guy who stole my camera equipment and money and shot me in the head. Then on a clear day in the dead of winter, he hauled my body into the remotest part of Crater Lake, took my shirt and boots off and set me on a log and left, figuring the animals would destroy the evidence by spring. And hey, I guess it worked because the cops ruled my death to be from natural causes. My dad doesn't buy it, though. Um, if he, I feel like that if someone took that theory and was going to leave the body out there, they probably would have fully undressed the body if they were going to undress the body at all. Well, they might be reluctant to take somebody's pants off, but also to haul his body all the way out there. Okay. So we're going to talk about theories in a second. All of that is basically the information that we have on Charles McCuller. Now, there is a lot more information on Crater Lake National Park. And I wanted to take a second to talk about a couple cases from Crater Lake National Park because Charles is not the only strange disappearance that happens in this park or at this lake even. In 1991, Glenn Allen Mackey's would go missing in the park and his remains would be found near Bybee Creek in 2006. And if that sounds familiar, it's because that is exactly where Charles's remains were found. So why did both of these men end up off trail and in the same creek bed? And for some reason, the FBI was involved in the removal of Glenn's remains. And this is later, right? So maybe to play devil's advocate in the FBI's corner for a second, Maybe by 2006, they have different standards for what they might get involved in. But for some reason, they're involved in the removal of his remains. This is in 2006. He went missing in 91, but his remains weren't found until 2006. So maybe along with the other man going missing in this, and found in the same area, him like contacting the FBI, and then another man goes missing and is found in that same area... It, and that could be the case, but they were involved in that. That's not to say that anything weird, there was anything weird about it, but there's not a lot of information about his remains. But as far as I could tell, cover up. as far as I could tell, he is listed as just dead from the elements, like nothing crazy I'm about crazy. his case. Now, looking even further back at Crater Lake National Park, these ones are in order. That one's out of order, but I thought it was really weird that it was found like right in the same area yeah, as no, Chuck. That's weird. Now, in 1853, a man named Wesley Hillman, along with two other settlers, Henry Kippel and Isaac Skeeters, would go out in search of a missing miner known as Set Em Up, who had a habit of wandering off into the wilderness and would return with large amounts of gold. And people thought that he had found a gold mine and had a secret cabin. He would never share where he got the gold from, though. I literally feel like we have told this story before. <laughs> I feel like this is seeming like our last case. Right? It's a totally different area, but yeah, yeah. it has some similar... Gold mine? Apparently, there's a lot of similar things going on during the gold rush time. I don't know. The three had no idea where the mine or the cabin were located and actually split up to cover more ground. It is rumored that they also discovered Crater Lake during their search for the mine. And after a while, Hillman showed up claiming that he had found the cabin and the gold. They all mounted their horses to follow him to its location. While riding, Hillman and his horse went off a cliff. And Clipple and Skeeters never learned the location of the treasure they sought. And by the way, there are at least 10 variations of this story. So take it with a grain of salt. Take it as you will. Who knows what's 
true, what's made up, what's rumor. His poor horse. I know. On February 1 of 1911, B.B. Bukowski would be the first to photograph Crater Lake. He was prepared for the harsh weather and was experienced in the unforgiving terrain. Now, he told his friends that if he wasn't back in a month to come and find him, he would, however, disappear and never be found. Although his sled and snow shovel were found about a mile and a half east of the lake, on a later search, they would find his campsite in a cave buried in snow near where the sled and shovel had been found, and it appeared that he had spent three nights in the cave. What they didn't find was any of his cooking utensils, which is kind of weird. Mm, maybe he was washing them. Right, and that's what I was wondering. Or was he, like, eating maybe when something disturbed him out of his cave and he had them in his hand? I, I have no idea. Was he, maybe he was cooking and eating away from his cave? Could be. I mean, that, that would be smarter. Yeah, technically, to avoid attracting things. Now... The National Park Service would, however, lose all files related to his case. Suspicious. So we don't know a lot about it or the search. And like I said before, all files in Charles's disappearance have also been lost. Suspicious. Maybe. Or back in a day where they didn't really worry about keeping records. In 1944, a Grumman torpedo plane vanished from the air while flying in formation with another plane. The other pilot could not account for the disappearance, and it was officially thought that the plane must have crashed and sunk before the other pilot could see it. Which, I don't know how fast a plane sinks, especially in a lake that is, like, crystal clear and you can see quite a ways down in it, but he could see no sign of the plane in the lake, but it, it just vanished from the sky when they were flying. Like, he looked over, it was gone, and he flew around, couldn't find it. I don't know. Now, in July of 1947, Mr. Cornelius was walking on a sunny afternoon with his wife near Crater Lake. And I don't know what his first name is. I couldn't find it anywhere. But he suddenly handed his wallet to his wife. He sat down on a steep slope and slid down towards the water. He quickly lost control and broke his leg. But at the bottom, near the ridge of the lake, he drug himself up and plunged himself into the water and drowned. According to his wife, this was unprovoked, and he seemed to be in a trance-like state. So his wife killed him. That's exactly what I said when I read this. I was like, oh, she murdered his she ass. She just shoved him down that. and then Yeah, she was like, babe, let me see your wallet for a second. And then she fucking pushed him down. He broke his leg at the bottom. She went down to the bottom and shoved him in. 100% what I thought, too. <laughs> Sorry, Mrs. Cornelius, if you did not kill your husband, but we have serious doubt. I call bullshit. I think you killed your husband. <laughs> what? And the thing that the reason I included this one in there is because she does mention the trance-like state, and she's not the only one to mention somebody being in some sort of trance-like okay. state around the lake. Which I do believe that kind of stuff, but that story, that, that sounds like she killed her husband to me and just made up a fucking story. Was there so life that insurance? So if they did recover his body out of the lake and he had a broken leg? It could be explained. Yeah. I'm sure they recovered him, yeah. Now, he is not the only person to commit suicide. We're gonna pretend like that's what happened here. By drowning themselves in Crater Lake. There have also been people who have gone to the lake specifically to shoot themselves. That's a pretty scenery. I was going to say, to me, this isn't crazy because a lot of places tend to get a reputation for, like, a good place to go to kill yourself or hang yourself. I mean, there's you read about stuff like this all the time where multiple people will go somewhere to commit suicide. Uh -huh. But it is believed by locals that the lake, it, the evil spirits of the lake is what's drawing them to the lake. Total possibility. I think so. I know, right? Now, in 1970, seasonal park ranger Dave Panbaker, cool name, set out to hike to a known site in Crater Lake National Park, which was a Grumman F-6F Hellcat fighter that had crashed there after World War II, ending up in one of the park cliff walls. So you could still see the remnants of this Old helicopter. Old helicopter crashed into the wall. So he was hiking out to go and 
basically just go see it. No, that's pretty cool. That would be cool. I would go see that. Now, he got lost. Naturally. And when he sat down to try to calm himself, which is what you should always do if you get lost, don't react. He noticed a skull staring up at him from under a log. My God, can you imagine? It turned out to be 22-year-old Ensign Frank Lupo, and he had been part of a squadron of seven Hellcats that were flying in December of 1945 over the park when fog and strange weather had affected their aircraft. And when the fog lifted, Ensign had vanished from inside the plane. He jumped out of the helicopter. Or fell out. No, yeah. he jumped out. The, the lake, lake made him the jump lake out. made him jump out. Can you literally imagine, like, you sit down to calm yourself because you're lost. And, and you see a fucking skull. Just staring up at you from under a log. No, I'm sorry. Ugh. Okay. In August of 1978, pilot Dave Nunn's flew his daughter and grandchild from Klamath Falls to Salem. On his return flight, he would take off with two student pilots, Jim Pryor and Matt Perkins. His wife would say that at 9.30 p.m., she felt someone grab her leg while in bed, and she would later learn that her husband's plane disappeared from radar at the same time. Don't like that. Mm-mm. An intensive search was launched with no sign of the plane, and on July 5 of 1985, seven years later, a hiker found the wreckage of a Cessna plane with three skeletons inside. They found a piece of paper on Dave, and on it was written, Lose not thine airspeed, lest the ground rise up and smite thee. And they don't know if that was written... Before the crash or after the crash? I'm guessing before. I'm guessing he always carried that around with him, maybe. In February of 1997, a pilot claimed that he saw several military jets chasing a UFO over Crater Lake. And later that evening, a large boom would be heard and felt throughout Oregon, and the origins of it were unknown. So... Now let's go into theories about Crater Lake, about Charles, about all of these things. And I think the, the first thing we should probably cover is aliens and UFOs. Because I know that Maddie is like dying to talk about that portion of it. Uh, actually, aliens and UFOs are not my first one on this one. Not okay, aliens. What, what's your, what, government? Oh, cover totally spiritual. No, like the, something is there. That is obviously, I don't want to say extraterrestrial, okay. not aliens. Okay. More like... Possessed, maybe? Yeah, there's some... Okay. Why does that log bob up and down in the lake? There's <laughs> something that's there. See, and I tend to think that there's something scientific causing that log to bob up and down in the lake. But not I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Now... But like all the all the aircrafts, it's like a Bermuda Triangle type yeah. of vibe. Like yeah, or I that one you. other park where like those hundreds of we did a case on it. It's like middle of the US somewhere. Like there's been over like a hundred plane crashes that have happened oh, yeah. in mm-hmm. this small plot of land, yeah. like this one national park. Now there would be sightings of UFOs and paranormal activity, along with sightings of monsters coming from this lake and this area. There have been strange lights and flying objects in the sky reported. Strange lights over Wizard Island specifically were also reported on a regular basis. So Wizard Island is one of the islands in Crater Lake, because remember, well, there's two. It honestly would make sense if it was if there were aliens coming down to check out the lake, because, you know, if they're... They come, aliens come down to earth. They're looking, they're looking over, they're looking over the U.S. at that moment. And they see this huge body of water in the middle of, it's landlocked. And they're like, oh shit, that's huge. I'm going to interrupt Maddie right now. And you guys, you can hear all about her rants on Bunker Talk, but we're going to get back to actual things that have been reported in this case. So. There have been reports of aircrafts flying into the mountain and disappearing as though they entered it. Creatures residing in the caves and woods around Crater Lake, sightings of Bigfoot, winged reptilians, and shadowy figures were also reported. 
Government cover-ups have, of course, been suggested throughout the years. And locals suggest that staring into the water for too long can be dangerous. I'm literally standing and staring into that water. For as long as you can? Yes. Okay, so we have the whole, like, UFO, government cover-up, all of those possibilities, right? Another possibility in this case, I would say, is going to be the elements, right? There's a couple things about the elements that bother me, okay? One of them is the lack of bones and missing shoes. But could animals have scavenged the rest? Although this doesn't explain everything else that is missing because animals don't eat shoes or cameras, right? But Maybe. But I did read about another missing hiker in 411 in the Western United States edition, and that was Bart Schleier. And I thought his case was interesting because his pants were found on their own with some bones, but his shoes and everything else have never been found. So this is not the only case in the wilderness where this sort of thing has happened. And Bart actually disappeared in 2014 in the Yukon Territory. And he was hiking Reed Lakes and was a very experienced outdoorsman. And he still disappeared. He was actually taken in by a float plane that dropped him off. And this is near the Alaskan border, by the way. Um, but it's a very isolated area. You can only get there by plane. And he was dropped off with his tent and supplies and an inflatable raft. And the plane was scheduled to pick him up later. But when the pilot arrived, he found Bart's tent knocked down. Near the tent was his backpack, bear spray, and his radio and a knife. But he found no sight of Bart. Kind of sounds like Bart was spitting off a bear. Maybe. They actually found his raft on the other side of the lake across from his tent, 60 feet inland from the boat. They found a bag full of gear, and leaning on a tree nearby was his bow and arrow. Nearby, they did find a camo face mask that had blood on it, and they decided to call the RCMP. So these are his buddies that are there, like, looking for him and find this stuff. About 60 yards from the bow and arrow, they find a skull, with some teeth, and they also found a pair of camouflage pants with a few bones, along with his camera. They would later find his cap and baklava, and these items had no holes or blood on them. So if he had been attacked by an animal, searchers believe that these items would have some indication of distress on them. If he was wearing them when he got attacked by an animal. Right, it's just, they, they do have blood on them, though. Yeah, maybe they were in his pocket that he got attacked and then he wiped his yeah, face maybe. with them. They believe he spent one night at his camp based on the food missing and the trash they found. So, super weird. Super, super weird. Like, that case is just as weird, but unsolved as well. Yeah, no, super weird. Last off, a couple things about Charles. One, why is he wearing jeans? It would be very difficult to keep them dry and stay warm. I don't like that. He probably just thought, fuck it, I'm only out here for a couple days. Also, with his missing stuff, is it possible that someone could have found his pack before the PCT hikers and maybe took some items out? Like an expensive camera, like a wallet. Possibility, yeah, people are shit. People are shit. I still think that those items, more than likely, are with the rest of his clothing. Yeah, he also... Who knows what happened to him? Like, he could have dropped his camera somewhere else. He could have been in distress. I know. He could have gone running from an animal or something and, like, dropped it at some point and then gotten lost and gotten way out where he was. Well, so that's another thing that I have an issue with is the distance. How did he get 12 miles without snowshoes or skis? People can walk ridiculously far miles. so far. 12 miles in, like, sinking snow, though? I just, I don't know. Now, the day he hiked in, there ended up being seven and a half feet of new snow. And this much powder would have made the passage, even for a snowmobile, basically impossible. But remember, we don't know how long Charles survived out there. We don't know how many days he could have hiked for. 
We also don't know exactly where he started his journey. Yeah. So the area where he is found is near the northwestern edge of the park. The southern edge is where he is thought to have started his journey. So that's where we get the 12 miles, right? If you look at a map, there is a trail that runs right past this area and it connects with the other trails and heads south to the visitor center. But it can also be followed north to Spugnum Bog and is about five miles. This area is labeled to Diamond Lake. Now, if you remember, he was possibly spotted near Diamond Lake. Uh-huh. So. Maybe he was on his way back from Diamond Lake? Could be. Now, could he have hitchhiked from the north side to the south side and actually started his hike there? This would have made it much easier for him to end up where he was found. Total possibility. Total possibility. possibility. He He's talking to somebody on the bus, maybe, and they're talking about Diamond Lake. And he's like, wow, that sounds really or pretty. Or he gets dropped off, and there's so much snow that he's struggling. And maybe somebody else comes along that's like, hey, if you come over this way. Or maybe he accidentally ended up there. I mean, we don't really know. Yeah, who knows? We also have the foul play theory, which is the last theory. And the main problem I have with this theory is how far off of any main area he is. So if you're going to murder him for his camera and his money, why would you transport him miles and miles into rough terrain to dump him? I mean, maybe someone came across him. Like somebody out there, you mean, came across him? Yeah, like and murdered him for his stuff or something. And shit. Maybe, maybe, which I mean, we we've seen crazy hikers. Maybe like that. somebody else was like really cold and struggling and wanted his coat or something. I mean, it's I po- it's possible, right? We don't really know. Oh my god! And then what about the logger who gave him a ride? But again, because that guy's been brought up many times as a possible suspect. But again, where? His body is found so far is unlikely. Yeah. Why wouldn't the logger just dump him on the side of the fucking road? Yeah, exactly. So we'll talk more about theories in our bunker talk and craziness and whatnot. But that is basically the story of Charles McCuller. I'm going some kind of uh, supernatural, some kind of supernatural of some sort, some type of magnetic field. I mm-hmm. don't know. And I'm going with elements. So big shocker there for both of us. All right. Well, thank you so much for tuning in, you guys. Also, we have lots of extra stuff on our Patreon. If you guys want to click over there, you can see all of our bonus materials, our hiking with Hannah, our bonus episodes. There's a ton of stuff over there. I just want to say we had the coolest experience on our hike this week. We were hiking the Enchantments, which is a crazy hike. We're going to do a little episode on that for you guys. But while we were out there, we like, we're headed downhill. We're on day two, crazy, crazy hike. All of a sudden we're passing these three girls and one of them stops and stares at us. And then she's like, do you guys have a podcast? <laughs> and we were like, um, yeah. And she was like, oh my God, I listen to you guys. Which is awesome. If you see us in public, you can... You can say hi. It's fine. Oh, yeah. We totally took a picture with her. It was the coolest experience. It made our grueling downhill that day, like, bearable. Like, it was so cool. So, shout out to Brittany. It was so great meeting you. Thanks for taking a picture with us. And you got to see me mid-death. It was awesome. I know. She got to see us at, like, our worst, probably. Like, we were, like, on day two, I was doing worse. I was doing worse like the day before that. And then also (laughs) later in that day, I was doing pretty good when we ran into her. It was still early in the day. It was still early in the day. Yeah. We still looked a little rough though. So you're welcome for that. But yeah, thank you so much. It was great running into you. We really appreciate all of our listeners. You guys are amazing. What was her name? Brittany. Brittany. Mm -hmm. All right. Thanks for tuning in, you guys. And we will talk to you soon. Go check out our social media and our Patreon. And thank you to everyone who supports us. Yeah. Thank you. Have a good day, Brittany. (laughs) Bye, guys. So my mom pulls up her laptop she's all excited about her files i love it i love that you're excited about the files i think it's great i think that it's great that you organize them but she said that she color coordinated them it makes sense
color coordinated is the key here. She changed half of her files gray and three of them red. Okay, wait, not, not, you're kind of wrong a little bit. So I technically have four light gray ones. Oh I God. have six dark gray ones it's and worse. I have three red ones. Now, it's the dark worse. gray, <laughs> shut up. That's so much worse. Shut up. The light gray and dark gray. Somebody please tell me I'm not crazy. The d- and the reason I no. chose light gray and dark gray is because it matches the picture on my desktop. <laughs> okay. Oh, but wait. So It doesn't even match. Wait. But it matches the, the like general theme of color. It just doesn't overpower the photo is what you mean. It blends in better. Yeah. They're usually blue. And I figured out how on my Mac to change the color of my files so that they're not blue. So my dark gray ones are like my standard ones. It has like my research, my advertising, my promo, like all that stuff in them. They're the ones that are always on my screen. My light gray ones are our regular episodes. And then the red ones are our Patreon episodes because the Patreon logo is red. Yeah. No. I think your organization is good. Okay. I the think... look you're giving me, though, tells me you do not no, think that. No. The picking of the... <laughs> you, you, I'm looking at your desktop, and you said you color-coordinated your desktop, and I see a shit ton of gray files. Yeah. They, they blend in better. It's just... It's funny that it doesn't you look as messy. Color coordinated them. Shut up. Yeah, you. I also changed my two memo different pads. Shades of gray. I also changed my memo pads to a black background instead of the yellow that that standardly is on there. I do hate the yellow. I hate no pads. Yeah, but you can change them to like purple. Why would I do that? Now you're talking fucking crazy. Okay, I. That's <laughs> color coordinating though. Why can't color coordinating be the everything like? Blends in and matches I'm gonna go and Phoenix. isn't aggressive. I'm gonna go, okay, I'm going to go to a Phoenix route here and tell you that gray isn't a color. It's a shade. My daughter tells me that all the time. I can still like a shade more than I like a color. Stop judging me. Gingers <laughs> don't have souls. Gingers don't have souls. And, and we don't like color. Do. Actually, the red kind of bothers me. But the fact that our scarlet is red when it comes on and then the Patreon logo is red makes it kind of okay. But I wish there was a less aggressive color that I could have instead of the red. Is there not a less aggressive color? Well, no. Like, white doesn't work. It, this is the white technically, but it's kind of gray. And then black is too dark on here. I already tried that. Well, what other colors there has to be you have red well yeah i have all the colors but like why don't I'd, you pick like a purple it would match the mountains i don't like purple <laughs> like a a green it'll match the trees in your photo the fo- the the trees in my photo are kind of like a very dark green though a very like blended green where i feel like the color of the memo pad doesn't have that or the color of the files doesn't have that color and yes i had to pay for the app in order to change the color of my files <laughs> and you chose gray and three red ones Shh. so these are my color options you have so many color <laughs> options are you kidding me holy shit she has like three different sets of rainbows stop judging me that's a pretty damn dark green yeah but okay but look i've yeah, that's no, that's no, that's aggressive. Hi, Phoenix. What is it? Dragonfly, go save it. Goose is trying to eat it. Okay. No, I want him to eat it. No, no, Maddie, you'll save him. Okay, come here. Come here. Come tell me about it over here. Upstairs. We just got interrupted by Phoenix. Do you want to tell us what's going on? A dragonfly got into the house somehow, and Goose is trying to eat it, and he's playing with it. And I'm really freaked out because he keeps, like, dangling it in his mouth and just playing uh, with it. You didn't try to save it? Well, no. <laughs> I wanted to eat it. That was freaking me out so much. <laughs> Maddie's on it. Maddie went running to try to save the dragonfly. Did you get it? Oh, what is that? It's not a dragonfly. It's a cranefly. Oh, cranefly. He can eat it's that. It's a mosquito eater. Okay, that's fine. Those things eat mosquitoes. They're they're just like giant. Just they're, they're not scary. At they're kind of like moths. They don't really have any thoughts behind their brains. They just fly. Yeah. Anyway, 
Goose is eating it slowly. <laughs> it is still moving, but he is eating its legs off right now. Phoenix said it was like dangling from his mouth and really freaking her out. <laughs> yeah, he's, he likes to torture the bugs. He's not as mean about it as Delilah was, but they do like to torture the bugs a little bit. Well, I think and he, they're growling at them. Like, and they're the bit. Oh, the well, Goose is probably they're... growling at Maverick because he doesn't want Maverick to take it from him. Yeah, oh no, Maverick and killers. Goose were looking at the thing and growling. <laughs> <laughs> that actually sounds like Goose's growl pretty pretty spot okay, on. So Maddie says that Goose is eating it. Are you feeling comfortable enough to go back upstairs yet? It's not flying anymore. It can't yeah. fly. Goose has eaten it to the he probably when I told him to start eating it, like could you eat it your freaking phoenix out? He looked up at me and then started eating it. So I do feel kind of bad for the crane fly. Mm, it shouldn't have flew in the house. Mm-hmm. Sorry, buddy. Okay. You want to go back upstairs? You can do it. Um, also, I've seen... Or you can hang out downstairs until you think he's he's gone. I have seen until two... Until you think he's eaten, okay? Okay, go ahead. We are okay. going to be done making fun of my yeah. color I, coordinating. I just... Yeah? Are we done? You have more to say. Oh, like, look at that color. Yeah. It's like a light blue. It's fine. I'm going to fix my mom's laptop for everyone else that's annoyed about it because I know that there's definitely someone else that's going to uh, love the... Phoenix, mom color-coordinated her desktop with only gray. Does that surprise you? She didn't use any colors, just gray. That is not surprising. <laughs> okay, so Phoenix is going to hang out with us for a little bit and be very still and quiet. Stop itching your bug bites. Stop itching your bug bites. Um, Anyone else have a mosquito problem where they're living? Oh, dude, ours are so fucking bad. Because ours are atrocious. Well, and we just went backpacking and the mosquitoes were like on steroids. They were everywhere. Uh, Shed had how many bites on his back? I don't even know. I don't it, even it, know. It's so bad. It's like, like just his whole covered. back is covered. Yeah, it's so bad. And, and I literally I literally had a liberal amount of bug spray on me the entire time and still got the shit bit. Yeah, me. also like right over not right over by where we live, but pretty far from where we live. In our state. Yeah. Big Apparently, problem. in Wenatchee, you can't even go to the grocery store right now. Yeah, without, without getting bit. getting, yeah. like, eaten alive. So it's definitely a problem. I don't know if it's a problem everywhere, but our mosquitoes this year are, like, way worse than we've ever seen them. Maybe the cold wasn't able to... How we had the cold, like, seep in. Maybe it kept the birds dormant so they yeah, ate less I don't know. bugs I think it definitely it, or something. I think it definitely has to do with the weather. I'm not sure exactly what caused it, but we did have a really weird, like, spring. We had, like, a delay yeah. to summer. Like, summer was delayed. Like, we just had a longer spring, and for some reason that means more fucking bugs. Yeah. Because, mm-hmm. like, I literally had the screen off my the screen off of my window for like a minute maybe yeah and at least six mosquitoes got into my room yeah fuck that nope and i got bit on the bottom of my foot in the middle of the night the bottom of my i have a bite on my baby my baby toe right now and it is just like making me homicidal oh my god it probably makes it's the toe next to my baby toe thank you for correcting me on that it probably squishes your baby toe in your shoes um, Goose is mad that he can't come into the recording studio and that his bug is all gone. He did eat the crane fly. He left a leg, two legs, and a wing Gross. on the ground. God. Um, but he did eat the rest of it. But Crisis he, averted. He is mad, so he tried to pee in your plant for now. <gasps> he tried to climb inside of it again. I don't know if he was Which pee- plant? Um, your dark... The black raven that just started growing again? Yeah. Did you lock him up? Yeah, I locked him up. Okay. He he was trying to steal your tax out first. The tax actually are what got his attention. He's such he, a dick. Because he likes to steal tax. He's he takes dick. them off my wall. Um, <sighs> and then he went to put his paw in it. So I don't know if he was going to pee in it or if he was just trying to fuck with the plant because he was doing it in front of me on purpose. I'm kill he him. was. So we're up there and we're like telling him he can't be on the counter and stuff. And he eventually he immediately jumps up on the window and starts trying to fuck with my plants. He 
only messes with the plants for attention. He figured out that the fastest way for him to get any... He's like a toddler. He is like a toddler. Negative attention is attention for him. So negative attention is just as good as positive attention, apparently. it's. I will say, though, that the cats are worse than a toddler because they don't fucking learn their lesson. They just keep doing it. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Timeout does not work for them. We've tried. <laughs> no. <laughs> Um, They're in timeout right now. We'll see how it goes. It's fine. I had to bring an. I had to pick up. I picked up an entire load of laundry that was covered in cat piss out of the dryer. It was out of the dryer. So the dryer got left open for a couple seconds, and Maverick immediately jumped in there and peed all over Maddie's clean clothes. Yeah, we can't leave the washer nor the dryer open. Why do they all? pee in the washer and dryer? Can somebody please Dude, fucking I, tell us I'm, that? I'm guessing that something was just in there at one point. I don't that, even know. I don't even know. I literally can't handle it. Cat pee on it. It smelled like cat pee. I can't. I honestly think it's been Maverick this entire time. Yeah, I'm sure. No, because I caught Goose red-handed one time. True, true. But we've only caught we've only caught Maverick doing it in the last like six six months. Yeah, I think Goose started it, and Maverick's like, "Well, I'll keep this going." Well, Delilah's the one that started peeing on Shed's side of the bed. So that's true. That's true. 